Welcome to the best of Why Not Both, the podcast where we chat with people all about how their multiple passions inform their sense of identity and how they navigate through the world. For these episodes, we are picking clips from some of our interviews throughout the years, and that way you can have a little appetizer, a little teaser, if you will, so you can get a feel for some of our guests and some of our interviews. If you like what you hear, you can actually click on the episode description and head on over to the full episodes that are linked there so you can hear our full conversation. Or you can come hang out with us on social media. We're pretty much everywhere as WNB the podcast. This episode features interview clips with Devin Gillifillian and Allison Russell. Both are incredibly talented musicians based in Nashville, and both are also really amazing activists. First off, we've got a clip from Devin. Just over this past year, I really, I think the main thing that I was focused on was getting Donald Trump out of the White House. Yes. And (laughs) I couldn't really, I couldn't, it was kind of like the fire that was in the middle of the kitchen and you're like trying, you know, like at first, like it was just like a kind of like smoking like pan (laughs) that was just like, man, that pan's got to get clean. It's real greasy and nasty. It's, it's, and it needs, it really needs to, it smokes when I turn it on. And then like this year, in 2020 it was just on fire and you're like nah i can't like actively actively it's on fire just constantly i can't make my annie's mac and cheese around this 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 fire that's happening right i gotta put this out or my house is gonna burn down i can't write songs anything i gotta put this fucking fire out so that was to me that like you know that politics kind of became a, a fire the the kitchen that's on fire for me that had to be put out before I could do anything. And, yes. Yes. And like, you know, because really we're still really fighting. We're fighting so hard. I think that people mistake individual freedom for like freedom from consequence. <laughs> and you're like, you could make right? a choice. There's a lot of choices you could make, but here are some of the consequences of those choices. Yep. <laughs> like, exactly. And, you know, that is the beauty of having freedom of choice, but unfortunately we are not free from logical consequence. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> As you see me just like stare into the middle distance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. And when you were saying about, you know, that in a way like politics came to the forefront and you were talking about the what's going on and covering that and whatnot, explain to people kind of what you were doing and how those like dovetailed because yeah, I was like, I'm curious about all of that. So like, as far as when, when it all, it all, when George Floyd was, was killed, that was when it really exploded the political, I really felt like the gaslighting was on fire from Donald Trump. Like, I felt like there was no way you can deny this. Right. And then, and then, and then he then provoked more violence, you know, and then, you know, was very much, he, he was, 
normalizing hate towards protesters. It was like he was just just stirring the pot, and I, and it was to me it was it was really crazy. It was like it felt like yo, hey, yo, hey, anybody else see this? Anybody else, does anyone else see this guy like just like throwing a pile of shit? And lighting it on fire, uh-huh. and then being like, "Hey, who lit that pile of shit?" <laughs> like, yes, on, y'all. It's like that meme of like, who could have done this? <laughs> it was mind blowing. I mean, before that, before that, the co- everything with COVID was that was blowing my mind insanely. But then, then when George Floyd happened, that was that was insane. And then I went out to a protest and. I was like, man, I want to, I want to bring music and peace to this protest. I want to figure out how to do that, and so I went home and learned what's going on on acoustic, and I was gonna take that out to the protest, and I just broke down crying as I was learning it, and at that moment realized what Marvin Gaye was trying to say, and was just like, really, my mind was just blown that 50 years ago, ago, this song was came out and and like and we still have haven't haven't really heard the message of this entire record and that that was really what I was like how do I how do I use this record to fight voter suppression in this country if I could do it in the, in Tennessee if I could do it anywhere I'll do it here I'll do it locally and then figure out who, what voices I want on this record to help, Right. you know, and, and I want to highlight black voices, you know, and voices of color and, and, and women's voices. And, and, and it all came together around that. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, it was the best education, musical education that I've never gotten in a long time. I was going to say, it sounds like in a way, not only was it kind of like edifying in like a community sense, but it sounds like it was personally incredibly inspiring to do that. So much, so inspiring. And, and like, also everyone that I wanted to, like, that I wanted involved, it was so easy. Like, they immediately were like, yep, yep, I'm into that. I'm down. I want, I want to do that. That's when you know you're on a good path. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm so lucky. Like um yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 grateful for for everybody that hopped in and and it like really solidified relationships with people and community here in in Nashville that I have and showed me how deep it goes and how strong it is and and, and yeah. Yeah, it, it brought a lot of meaning to just like what I'm doing as a musician. Right. Well, and it puts it in context, both like musically and then, like you said, like kind of your community in Nashville. We're at a time particularly when it was really funny, like seeing all those ads of like, we're alone together. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. like, mm, that's a... Mm. Um, kind of a weird dichotomy there, uh, but it showed you. <laughs> it showed you kind of like, particularly at such a disconnected time, like both musician community, and then you were talking about like 
connecting with your fan community as well. Like, do you feel like this also connected you more to the people who listen to your music anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. It did. And I, I think it also allowed me to stop tippy toeing around what I really want to say and how I want to say it. And and like really diving into the conversation that needs to happen around around race, around politics, around religion and everything, like all of it, you know, like, because yeah. evangelistic Christianity, you know, like is supposed to be all about love and, and, and all these things. And, and it's, it's, you know, that's not where the money's going. Right. And, and like, you know, I, I think that it's time to hold people accountable. That's all. And the only way to do that is if you have a voice, use it. Yeah. Like, it's interesting to me that you said like, you know, that you didn't want to have to kind of tiptoe around your beliefs. It's strange to me when people tell artists to not be political because I'm like, well, what's the point of art if it's not making you think differently about the systems you're in and about like feeling it's like then why are you engaging with this at all (laughs) like a hundred percent like it's it's and like people say the same thing about pro athletes and you know stop talking about politics and just play ball it's like well no actually i'm gonna do what i want i'm gonna talk about politics and i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do do it loudly because I have a platform and, and I should do it. You know, like it's, it really, money is, is in power is the only way to really hold this capitalistic economy, like country accountable sometimes. And it really, when you take the money out, when you, when you take, when you stop people from spending you yeah. can you, you can really hurt some people you can hurt the the big man that's what i find so fascinating about like the current landscape where i mean you and i are both in like the arts field and i also work as a therapist it's like those fields are kind of outside of that structure a bit um but like I've been reading articles where people are saying, well, no one wants to work at jobs anymore. And it's like, no, 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 people actually do enjoy. I think that people enjoy doing things. Like, I don't think there's really many people who, uh, I'm sure there's someone that enjoys sitting around and not doing stuff. But for the most part, people like to actually, they're curious about the world. They like to have agency in it, but they don't like to be exploited. I think that that's what people are missing. It's not that people don't want to have a job. It's just that they don't want to be like, underpaid and not have health insurance the right. problem is not the job <laughs> like, uh, it's, like... It's, it's, <laughs> it's really really crazy to you know that we're really we're starting to see in this country where the cracks are and and like yeah like no like the labor short the labor the labor shortage is because you know, I was listening to the daily and the other day and, and like the labor shortage is, is because the jobs aren't paying people enough. Right. They're not paying people well enough. They're not giving them health insurance. They're, they're overworking people, especially in the service industry. 
Yes. And and like like it's at the end of the day, like what do you expect? What do you if you don't give people dignity, which is a job that puts a roof over their head, that pay gives them health care that they can maybe then work towards saving for a house. Yes. If you make that actual dream, which is not even, it's not a, it's not even plausible for, for so many people. Right. If, you know, if you made that a reality for people, then, then that's something that maybe you can get behind. People can get behind, but, but that's not even being talked about, you know? Next, we have a clip from my interview with Allison Russell. Just were very lucky to have a community that kind of rallied around and helped us by coming to live streams and you know, buying merch and things like that. And we had friend, a dear friend who actually loaned us some money. And, you know, it was, it was, but it was a real revelatory, like we're, our existence is more precarious than we want to admit that it is. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I think about a lot too, in this country in particular, a lot of people who are working poor or working class want to think of themselves as middle-class mm-hmm. you know, folks that are middle-class want to think of themselves as wealthy. And it's, just often not the case, you know, it's most, many people are in a position where if there's three months without work, the reserves are gone. Many gone. people are in a position where there are no reserves in the first place. Yeah. And, and so I think that we are seeing the, you know, the, the weaknesses of a, of a, of the system that has very little, safety net or social safety net, you know? Right. And, and that there's, there's no shame to a social safety net. And I no. think that, that, that all kinds yeah. of people need that at, in, 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 who didn't realize they did. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and who maybe have looked down upon the, the necessity for such in, in times past and have now realized their own vulnerability, you know? Yes. And I think that, that's a difficult thing to navigate and then trying to figure out, well, what, okay, what are ways that we can, what are the things we can do in this moment of lockdown of uncertainty of, and one thing that we could do is keep writing, you know, yeah. and we could keep trying to reach out to the, the community that we have, have found painstakingly over many years of touring and collaboration and, um, you know, forming meaningful, intentional coalition. And that was sort of what I relied on in the pandemic was just reaching out to people, you know, who's, who's, who were further along a path or maybe who could, might be willing to open a door or knock on a door for me. You know, I did my outside child record where I just started sending it to people that I thought might be receptive to it. And that led to Eventually, my friend Randy Carlyle calling Fantasy Records and saying, I think you should listen to this record. And that led to yeah. me being signed as a solo artist, you know, and which led to our being able to, you know, pay pay our rent and eventually yeah. our mortgage and, you know, make sure our childhood 
good food. <laughs> yeah. Good medical care and all of the rest of it like that, you know, it, it changed, it lifted us out of pretty abject poverty, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, my get my record getting signed. And that happened through the channels of, you know, the circles of chosen friends and family, my artist community. Yeah. Kind of seeing and hearing me and choosing to help at a time when I needed it. Oh, I just like, I just had my hands on my heart. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) That's that web of support is something that is so vital. And that I feel like is undervalued in like kind of the idea of like hustle and have no safety net. And it's all about the individual and like, essentially you had spoken to like the extreme individualistic freedom is actually death. And it's like, this is the opposite where it's like, when we realize that we are interdependent, that's when we can actually like each ironically individually succeed by communally succeeding. (laughs) Like when you, when you come together in that web, like, I'm like, Oh my God, first off, I'm so excited for you. I was just like, yes, that's like, "Mm, that's juicy. Um, But also I'm like, just noting that it's because of the connections that you made with other people and that other people valued that connection. And they were like, Ooh, I value you. And I value your art. Let me see what happens next. Let me give this to someone else. Let me, and it's like passing through all those little nodes. That's right. Exactly. And again, islands, we are interdependent completely and utterly. And that can feel scary, but it can also feel incredibly empowering and, and, and healing and gives us all a measure of safety when we acknowledge that interdependence and those bonds with responsibility and care and mindfulness, you know? Yeah. It's such a diff. It doesn't have to be terrifying and awful. You know, we are no matter what, and we get to choose, like, do we want to be really abusive and dysfunctional, you know, or do we want to try and treat each other as equals with loving care, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of the human version. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we, we have a choice. And like, I think about the default mode of this weird, weird thought. Why is my brain like this? But like of trees in a forest, because like trees don't really have the option of not being interconnected because they're all connected like underground by like the entire like mushroom and fungus network. Um, (laughs) That's where my brain went. I was just like, I I love that your brain went there. I was like, and trees, their default mode is just to get along with each other in the forest. They're like, well, cool. We're connected. That's, that's why when people are like, how did the trees all grow the same way? I'm like, oh, they actually communicate through um, mushrooms. Um, (laughs) I love, are you familiar with the Sheldrake family? No, you would love, I, I I don't know all of the, 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 the dad is Rupert Sheldrake and he is, I believe he's a chemical bio, he's, he's some kind of biologist and he has a whole theory of morphic resonance, which is essentially this, this kind of, uh, transmission of knowledge between members of a species in ways that cannot be accounted for just based on language or, observation that there's a kind of an osmosis that occurs. And he observed this with crows, for example, or communities of starlings in the UK, things like if one group of crows figured out to throw a nut in the road and a car would drive over it, that within 
you know, and a shockingly short amount of time, like not enough time for members of that murder to have interacted with yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, all of the other murders of crows know how to do it, know how to do that. And so he has um, this whole theory of morphic resonance and he kind of got there, there's parts of, of the kind of academia or the, who are, who are, who kind of think of his theories as, as being sort of out there woo woo, but you know, he, he will argue, well, it's no different than how people thought about the idea of a field of gravity or a field of electricity in their, you know, before mm-hmm. well-established um, fact. And so he's interesting. And then his son is, is a mycology language of forests guy. And I, oh my God. I, I believe his son's name is Merlin Sheldrake. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's his name. And, and he Amazing. is, he is the language of forests and, and, and my, and mushrooms expert guy. <laughs> Excellent. I will go find him. And that, yeah. that I could not imagine a more perfect name for someone who does. That. Isn't that wonderful? Merlin Sheldrake. <laughs> yes. It's really quite wonderful. Yeah. Isn't there a musician Cosmo Sheldrake? Oh, maybe there is. There might be two sons. So I oh might mix God. them up. There, there may be more than one son. And I'm sure the other son would have a wonderful name like that. <laughs> that would, I was like, if this is all the same family, I'm going to be just so. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know that. what? I'm going to look it up right now because I'm pretty sure that it is. Let me look up the Sheldrake family. <gasps> They're extraordinary. Oh there may well be two two sons. There yeah. may as well be two Sheldrakes. And, Sheldrake and I'm like, family. oh my gosh. And I'm like, can we be more like that and more like the trees where yeah. it's like there is a cosmo. There yes. is a cosmo. Cosmo Sheldrake and Merlin Sheldrake. And I believe those are both the sons. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so Cosmo is a uh, a musician. I love this. Yeah. And he is the, and his brother is the biologist Merlin Sheldrake. So Merlin is the language of the forests and the trees and Cosmo is a musician and a composer. What? (laughs) (laughs) And they're all, it's all the same family. Their dad is Rupert Sheldrake and their mom is Jill Purse and she's a voice teacher. Oh my goodness. Children of of a musician and a, and a, and a visionary biologist <laughs> doing oh, my God. Their lives. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the best. I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> They're a family I very much would love to meet one day. I just, they just, they, they fill me with hope for humanity. Let's do it. Let's go on a journey. We're going. <laughs> yeah. Going on an adventure to meet the Sheldrakes. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but we they don't know. <laughs> uh kindred spirits oh my gosh i was like that's that's more of what i want to channel is that kind of that interwoven interconnectedness because that kind of like serendipity and absurdity is i don't know about you but that's like what fuels me like as long as i have like an instance of that at least once a day i'm just like yeah we good we're good (laughs) we're good we're on the right path yes absolutely Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please head over to our episode description where you can find the links to the full episodes that these clips were taken from so you can hear our full interviews. You can also 
head on over to whatever social media platform you enjoy, and you can find us at WNB the podcast. And if you're feeling so inclined, you can even head over to our Patreon to support our podcast and, you know, keep us going so we can keep interviewing people and spreading the word about the awesome things they're doing. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.